Out of sight, out of mind, how the Newfoundland news media is systematically ignoring an environmental monstrosity and a potential new Newfie financial sinkhole, the West Coast Wind Energy Project. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 236, brought to you with listener support. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Matters. It would be one of the largest such projects in the world built with untested technology and lots of taxpayer-funded subsidy. On top of all that, there are the troubling connections between some of the main players. The advisor to Premier Andrew Fury, who was working for wind power developer John Risley at the same time. And recently, we learned that Fury stayed at the posh fishing lodge in Labrador, owned by who other than John Risley. The whole thing stinks, but... Compared to scandals past, the news coverage has been pretty low-key. A story here, a story there. Compare that to the Sprung Greenhouse story back in the late 80s that killed the political career of Premier Brian Peckford. Only millions of dollars were squandered there, not billions. And most of the wind energy news scoops have come not from CBC, VOCM, or NTV, but from the new media. It was the website allnewfoundlandandlabrador.com that broke the Fury Goes to Risley's Lodge story. Surprising, considering that this is a potential multi-billion dollar boondoggle on the same scale as Muskrat Falls. Why is that? Is it because of diminishing news media resources? Or is it because the 164 windmills are going to be built on the port port Peninsula, as far away from the newsrooms in St. John's as you can get, and still be on the island of Newfoundland? We spoke with Ed Hollett, who has been writing about the windmill story on his online publication, The Bond Papers. I started by asking Ed Hollett about one of the main players in the tight cast of characters, one Brendan Paddock. I, I don't want to do him a disservice, but I'd, I'd very, give him a very simple description as a very knowledgeable, very capable and very successful businessman who started out with a, uh, a cable business which is apparently a fairly popular thing in Newfoundland these days. Yes. You can be very successful in this province getting out of cable television. And he's parlayed that into a variety of other businesses, both in Canada and, and South in, in the Caribbean and so on. Um, his connection is that he's, uh, why he props up in this story is that he's been an, uh, a very good friend of, of uh, the premiers, Andrew Furies, for a number of years um, and is conspicuously present in one of the pictures that, at the swearing-in ceremony for Mr. Fury um, in August of 2020. Um, the other connection is that he's connected to John Risley, who again is another very successful Atlantic Canadian businessman with I mean, diverse and eclectic interests in shipping and energy and all sorts of things yes. globally. And he was. I, I, just should, I just should disclose, make sure everybody's clear about it. At one point in my checkered past, I was a, a senior fellow at the Atlantic Institute for Market Studies uh, just before it uh, it wound up getting absorbed into the Fraser Institute, and John was the uh, was the chair of the board. Locally, Risley is the kind of person, 
you know, a lot of people have, have, have maybe a negative view towards him uh, based on his experience with the fishery. But I will tell you from my experience or my view of, of the fishery business, particularly FPI, because he was just simply used as a, a convenient whipping boy. Mm. Um, he's like any other businessman. He's trying to make money. He's trying to make money. Now, and that's, uh, that's and what you, they do. So, you know, yes, you now, don't just criticize to, the dog it, for barking. But anyway. Yes, let's let's pause there. You mentioned Brendan Paddock yep. and Andrew Fury and John Risley. And the thing about mm-hmm. Brendan Paddock, uh, according to what we know now, is that Brendan Paddock was giving advice to uh, Andrew Fury, uh, the government of Newfoundland and Labrador, and to John Risley, it appears, at the same time. There was a certain overlap in in relationship there. Um, maybe you could encapsulate what uh, what was going on there during a certain uh, overlap in time. Well, let me let me put it this way because I don't want to pretend to be uh, an intimate expert on, on any of these gentlemen. What I what I've written about recently is um, the way in which relationships become very problematic sometimes. Um, for very successful people, in which whether it's, and, and it, this one brings together um, Andrew Fury, Brendan Paddock, and John Risley. Um, in public office, somebody like the Premier has to be very conscious of the conflict between their personal interest and their professional, and their, and their public interest, which is now what they are representing. They have a fiduciary responsibility, making decisions on behalf of all of us. It's exactly the same kind of situation that exists uh, between um, the elected head of a First Nation and the group as a whole. There's no difference. It's exactly the same thing. Or if I own a company in Stephenville and I have shareholders in that company, I have a responsibility to the, the company to protect the interest of the company and the shareholders above my own interest. Or if I'm the head of a local um, association or dark league, I have an interest on behalf of myself, but I have to put the interest of the public first. The difficulty for people with this, I think, and I'll put it this way, is that there is the potential for conflict, that somebody here can benefit from inside information. And normally there would be a situation that would prevent somebody who is holding an advisory position. Um, Mr. Paddock was chair of uh, of an advisory committee related to the Churchill Falls project and the Lower Churchill Project, and at the same time, being an intimate friend of the Premier, very much his best friend, at the same time, trying to start a business project with John Risley to build an energy project on the west coast of Newfoundland. Yes. There doesn't yes. actually have to be anything wrong going on here. The problem is, is that we have to make sure, from a public standpoint, that those people are aware of it and that there is no advantage given Yes, and that there's no compromise in the in the in the potential conflict for those of those interests. Yes, as we say, we have to avoid the conflict and the appearance of conflict. So it's um, it's it's a high threshold there. It okay, is. so we have uh, we have Brendan Paddock, who was an intimate of the premier and a Liberal Party donor. We mm-hmm. have the premier himself, and we have John Risley. Yes, uh, John Risley, uh, ex of uh, Clearwater uh, uh, Seafoods Company, uh, which was. Uh, uh, bought by a coalition of uh, uh, Mi'kmaq First Nations, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's talk about the visit to the fishing lodge in Labrador uh, by Andrew Fury, a fishing lodge owned by 
John Risley, and we might note here, and our listeners will probably need to be taking notes at this point, but this fishing lodge was formerly owned by now MP Goody Hutchings. Uh, so um, uh, there was that. So we'll, we'll, just, we'll just leave that. We'll just park that, uh, that tidbit yeah. there. Um, so we have this uh, visit to uh, John Risley's uh, posh hunting lodge in uh, Labrador, uh, recently disclosed by uh, allnewfoundlandandlabrador.com, the uh, mm-hmm. online publication. And people raised some concerns because uh, also I, I think we know that John Risley might have made an appearance uh, during, uh, during that visit. Um, and you uh, questioned the over-the-top response when, uh, from liberals when other politicians raised concerns about that visit. The premier was saying, look, it was uh, my off, off time. I have the right to have a personal life. Buzz off, mm-hmm. none, of your, mm-hmm. none of your business. Mm-hmm. And you did not agree with that. And why, um, why did you not agree with that uh, response from the Premier? Well, Glenn, I think it's important and pe- your, your, your audience may want to check out the piece that I wrote um, the week that we recorded this. Yes, the uh, article the headlined a Premier and Conflict of Interest. Right. And what the, I did- the subheadline says the wobbly Premier has a bigger political problem entirely of his own making, as you say right. in your subhead. Right. The point I was trying to make here was trying to provide a summary of this issue generally. And what I provide at the end of it is a bit of a timeline, as many things as I could think about and I could track to show the history of this idea of developing wind energy and renewable energy. And also to indicate when did we learn about certain things. And I provide here at the end of it, I think this is really the crux of it. If you accept the story that the Premier has said and given at face value, actually makes sense. And if you look at the timing of that meeting in the summer, it would have made perfect sense if John Risley and Andrew Fury had cut, sat back after a lovely day of fishing in Labrador, had a drink, and said, you know, boy, this uh, it's a good thing. We just need to get in on this energy project. The feds have just announced a, a project in six months ago to, to try to get energy, hydrogen, and new renewable energy to Germany. We need to get in on this in Atlantic Canada. This is where we should go. Because people at that level in business and in government talk about things like this all the time. Yes. They run into each other socially. They, they just bang into each other in an airport. Uh, these issues will come up from time to time. And it would then have been logical for the premier to go back and start this exercise and all the rest of it. But that's not what actually seems to have happened. Or at least... That, that's, that's a perfectly logical story and everything falls in line. The problem that I had was that when you look at that very emotional hurt response from the liberals, including the premier, the premier was somehow the victim of some kind of uh, attack, supposedly. It was totally out of character to what should have been an easy explanation. It's a no-brainer. Yes. You know, if you were to ask me, for example, if I bumped into you know, person X, if nothing happened, if I have nothing, no reason to be guilty about it, even if you're criticizing me for it, my response is going to be, sure, I ran into Glenn. Well, I had a great chat. Here's what we talked about. Nothing secret. He, he told me about something wonderful. And so I then turned around and did something about it. Perfectly logical. But if I then turned around to you and said, hey, you have no business asking me what I'm doing with Glenn. This Glenn Wheeler guy is a good guy. What are you, what are you criticizing me for? 
where does that hostility come from? The two things are incompatible. So my political, my, my, my point was a political management point. If you've got a simple, truthful story to tell and there's nothing going on wrong, act like that. When you act like a victim, when people ask you legitimate questions about what's this all about, when they ask you questions about um, a major project and the potential that the people of Newfoundland and Labrador will be financially affected by it, that goes with the job. You may not like it, and God knows, you know, I work for Clyde Wells, I know a lot of politicians. And boy, you know, there are things that happen and they get angry, like anybody would. However, you got to suck it up and deal with it factually, simply, and plainly. Um, you can't do as Dwight Ball did in the Ed Martin business and scream and shout in front of reporters and get angry and all red in the face. It's just, it makes you look guilty. If you are guilty, it's a problem. But if you're not guilty, which is what I actually suggested is really potentially one of the one of the possible stories here, then they're not acting very not guilty. They're acting very guilty, actually, by getting this over-the-top response. Yes. Have we seen uh, Andrew Fury's uh, receipt uh, where he paid for uh, his stay at uh, John Risley's uh, posh lodge in Labrador? I don't think so. We've seen that yet. I, I, I don't think so, but it's easy enough to produce. Uh, I, yes. I, have no reason, I have no reason to doubt that he didn't pay for it. If he says he paid for it, he paid for it. Yes, we're still we're just waiting for the receipt, and uh, it, it was a bit a bit odd that the um, that the appointment of Brendan Paddock to the Churchill River Advisory Group, which would have ordinarily appeared in an order on council, did not appear mm -hmm. uh, until uncovered by news media and disclosed in public in June 2022, um, upwards of a year after it had taken place. So also uh, an anomaly. But in any, event, so. in any event, to Ed, uh, I guess what we would say is that sometimes it's chaos and sometimes it's conspiracy. So this might be chaos or conspiracy, we, I guess we don't know, it, but it stinks. It stinks uh, for people uh, in Port-a-Port -Port who see all these uh, powerful people hobnobbing and making decisions about their land um, in, uh, in Port-a-Port. But uh, I'm surprised that um, there isn't, it isn't been more of a big story in, in Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, more of a, a big media story. And um, I wonder, uh, you know, there are other stories that have with uh, involving much smaller sums of money that get an inordinate amount of, uh, of press, but not this one, even though we're talking about a Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a sort of white elephant, uh, you know, as big as Muskrat Falls, if uh, if this thing goes down. So why, with all this at stake, is there not more coverage, do you think? Well, we talked about this briefly this afternoon. You've got a bunch of reasons. And I think some of those reasons or possible explanations are, are plausible. I tend to go back to the simple one, which is is the, and because it still works in, in politics in this province, um, the farther away you get from St. John's, the less people in St. John's are interested. In it. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that you know, the population, largest chunk of population is around St. John's. Business is here, government is here, and the news media are now largely here, although you've seen um, things like um, uh, Le Gaboteur or the Rec House now in Port-au-Basque and other things, your program and your operation that have grown up in rural Newfoundland and Labrador, um, uh, you know, still the conventional media, mainstream media, 
still dominated by St. John's by its very towny centric. The joke I made to you earlier is still the case, which is that if the Sprung Greenhouse had been built in Stephenville, it would be still operating. Mm-hmm. The only reason, the only reason it turned into such a problem was that it was keeping people awake at night in St. John's. And reporters could drive easily to get there without having to spend a great deal of money. Um, I think sometimes things are that simple. Um, it's it's you know people don't think it happens. There's there is very much a towny mentality. Yes. Uh, about, maybe if about, the maybe if the uh, if 164 uh, wind wind turbines each more than 600 feet tall were being built on the Avalon Peninsula, we would get more stories about it. Um, and Ed, you did not, uh, I think, agree with my theory that uh, I advanced earlier that. Uh, you know, CBC and the other uh, big time media in St. John's were embarrassed that it was all NewfoundlandLabrador.com that uh, scooped a lot of these stories, uh, uh, and that uh, the pot that the um, coddled uh, CBC, uh, you know, was asleep at the switch. You you don't subscribe to that theory? Not really, uh, because what happens is that they eventually pick it up and claim some kind of ownership of it. Um, I think the I think the relative lack of concern about it is actually like the relative lack of concern about Muskrat Falls. Hmm. I mean, I, you know, put it in a context for people. After 2005, I wrote about a total of 350,000 words about hydroelectricity. And most of it was written before 2016, uh, which is when most of the rest of the people in the province woke up that Muskrat Falls might be a real big problem. Uh, But if you remember back in 2010, 2011, the only media coverage that sort of thing got was the was the fawning uh, congratulatory coverage about this great project that was going ahead in Labrador and things about who was going to pay for it, which I started raising along with some friends of mine in October 2010, um, before the project was even announced, uh, never got noticed. And so there is this tendency locally um, across the province not to really raise too much fuss about it. That was Ed Hollett, publisher of the Bond Papers. That's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Amsa Nogamah.